What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just want to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of its industry, along with years of wisdom and experience. You got to go check these guys out. They've got a package that's going to fit your price range. I'd recommend going with the full year pass. Commit to Skybox for the full year. Guide you through every sport you like to uh, have some degenerate action on. But if that's not a fit for you, they will have a pick picks package that will fit your price range. You could try a month-long sports-centric pass. Right now, that's really NASCAR and baseball until we get football back up. You could go week-long. You could go month-long all sports, week-long all sports. Uh, really just depends. It's up to you. You definitely are going to want to check these guys out during football season. If you want to just test the waters, you could go a daily pass right now. It's 10 bucks, and with the promo code RIPPY, which you get 20% off, Eight bucks, and I promise you, you're going to make your money back and then some. Go check these guys out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Once you select your picks package and you're ready to profit, I'm going to give you even more of a discount by using the promo code RIPPY, and you get 20% off any purchase. So please use the promo code. We had a streak there for a while. We had people coming and buying the picks, not using the promo code. Uh, along with you pissing away free money, it uh, it does not help me. It, well, that's how we uh, let them know that they – that we sent them. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg the Meat Sharp no, needs no introduction. This is another edition of Grill Corner. We tried to uh, turn it into a hybrid mailbag Friday because it's only a two-pod week for me this week because uh, I head out to the left coast, as you'll hear me mention in a minute, uh, to go see some friends. So it was more of a Grill Corner. This is definitely a uh, less serious podcast uh, time uh, just to unplug and uh, discuss what's going on the grill this weekend. So, uh, without further ado, here is Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. Although, one quick side note, I mentioned at the end of the podcast, I might offer some Mississippi State thoughts. I'm going to hold that because it's 5.15 in the morning as I'm recording this, and there's a chance I will be on another Oxford Exxon podcast today. So, read into that what you will. Here's Grill Corner. Let's roll. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Thursday. I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line is Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. This is a hybrid edition of Grill Corner. This is a half people's holiday, half grill corner. We're coming at you live on a Thursday. We were going to do your typical grill corner, but I'm headed out of town on vacation so I decided to do it halfway in between. We got more grill questions than anything anyway, it looks like, from uh, perusing the podcast mailbag. But uh, what's up, Greg? How's it been going? Oh, man, just, you know, getting ready for Fourth of July weekend. Uh, we're actually going to be closed on Sunday. So uh, uh, if you're needing some meats uh, for your grill and your cookout uh, this weekend, Fourth of July, you need to come and get it as soon as possible because we're going to be closing the store on Sunday. So uh 10 to 6 on saturday and then uh be closed on sunday and then we'll open back up on monday and uh get back in the groove yeah so by the time you've heard me re uh by the time the listeners have heard this you just heard me do my ad read but just in case anyone's been living under a rock or been dead and come back to life if you've been doing that dm us we could get you on here uh tell b's university avenue across from kroger so you told me one time when we did one of these shows together that you close like two days out of the year, right? It's like 4th of July, <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> I wish it was. I mean, like two days is, is, I mean, 
No, uh, the the actual the sports bar library uh, actually only closes three days out of the year. So I wish I could be. I wish I could have that beat. But no, we do. Um, I think I end up doing like five or six a year. We do uh, New Year's Day. Um, we do Easter. Uh, we do Mother's Day, uh, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. So. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just, you know, you have to be open because, I mean, it's what better day uh, if the sun's up and, you know, go and take, you know, go to the meat market and pick up some nice steaks and throw them on the grill. So, you know, you kind of got to be open all the time. Mother's Day is an interesting one. How did you decide on that one? I've probably asked you this before. Well, you know, my mom works at the store a lot and she's in charge of the, you know, doing the stuffed mushrooms and doing all the, you know, the sides. So, uh, you know, it's always great whenever she says she wants the day off uh, for Mother's Day. So, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with her and uh, we take Mother's Day off. You gotta we go, and, we yeah. go and eat Chinese food. Oh, there you right. go. That's a cool tradition. Yeah, you got to listen to your mom. I should probably do that more myself. So, Fourth of July, this has to be a big weekend for you guys. I mean, what is like, they might as well rename Independence Day, smoke some meats and drink some cold beer day. Uh, how do you balance courts? Clearly it'd be like sacrilege to be open on the fourth, but I imagine that's gotta be a pretty big day, but I guess you're just encouraging people to come in beforehand. I guess no one's going to buy meats on the fourth. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the 4th of July is on Sunday this year. So, I mean, I think it kind of normally, uh, it depends on the day of it, but it just works out. We're, we're normally open on Sunday one to six. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to be closed, but, uh, you know, we, we're going to uh, enjoy ourselves and go and, uh, drink some uh, new uh, Budweiser Patriotic cans uh, and try to celebrate uh, being American and, uh, and, uh, and, and enjoy ourselves on the 4th of July. There we go. I might get some Bud Heavies as well, smoke a couple of Cowboy Killers. I might even sprout a chest hair. Who's to say? I don't know. Red-blooded American male. Uh, back on uh, getting this on the rails, what is – and we got a couple – I won't spoil the mailbag questions, but as far as a grilling – you know, buying consumer perspective, is there anything in particular that's popular on 4th of July or is there just nothing out of the ordinary? Yeah, no, I mean, everything's traditional. I mean, you know, you smoke some ribs, maybe do a Boston butt, maybe smoke a, a, a brisket, uh, but, you know, very traditional stuff, hamburgers, hot dogs, fresh sausage on the grill and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, all around pretty traditional uh, uh, meat, meat traditions in uh, Fourth of July. Definitely want to smoke some ribs and maybe do a brisket for sure. Yeah, so that's actually was kind of my follow up question, and I think I think I'm actually co opting a, uh, a somewhat of a of, of a grill corner question here, but I don't care. Do you notice since everyone, of course, everyone has the day off this year, it falling on a weekend. Of course, it's the day off. Do you notice people going more towards like the the ribs, the Boston butts, the briskets, maybe not ribs in that category, but the stuff that takes longer because you have the whole day to kind of like, I don't know, be outside, see how many beers you can drink. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think 4th of July is, is a really good grazing holiday. Uh, you know, you just cook everything, set up everything and put it on the table and, you know, people go and hang out at the pool and then go, you know, put a hot dog together and eat it and then go back to drinking, you know, just set up everything and just, you know, uh, pick and choose whatever you're wanting. So I think the 4th of July is just, you know, you smoke a bunch of chickens, you smoke a bunch of ribs, you smoke a bunch of butts and some brisket and just lay it all out there and then just pick, you know, 
things get ready at certain times and you just eat certain things at a certain time. Yeah, depending on what's been smoked before that, you never know how good it's going to taste. Oh, so. yeah, I mean, you know, we were uh, <laughs> we kind of probably should dive into that. Uh, what was it? The Cheeto mac and cheese. Uh, golly, I forgot. I, <laughs> I think I read that tweet. And I, uh, I had to read it two times to figure it out. That's actually my first thought. And that was the only reason I thought of that stupid smart ass remark was the fact that we got that question about the Cheeto mac and cheese. And I was like, has this yeah. guy been off in the reefer? But I actually, on per, on further review, I have actually heard of this before. And someone I know recently, I was trying to come back through my text messages, had actually mentioned that to me. But it sounds like it's the first you've heard of it. I'm not going to act like I'm sort of some sort of expert on Cheeto mac and cheese, and we'll get into it in a second. But the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, that's not the first time I've heard this. I just can't remember where. Yeah, I mean, Cheetos is very versatile whenever it comes. I think there's a uh a chicken breast breading that is made out of cheetos like you finally chop up the cheetos and you make it as a breading and, and you bake it pretty wild yeah but yeah uh cheetos are very versatile uh before we get into these questions is there anything uh plug away at the store you got any uh red white and blue specials what's uh what's happening at the store for fourth of july weekend that you need to go in by the third and get yeah i mean you know just uh Straight up traditional weekend uh, this weekend. I've got a bunch of fish uh, coming in. I got some uh, snapper, some redfish, some salmon. I uh, got some um, grouper also. So uh, always get the fresh fish on Thursday. And, uh, uh, you know, just basic stuff, ribs, uh, butts, half chickens, um, you know, ground beef, burgers. Uh, Zach's going to do some smoky bacon cheeseburgers, which uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, just pretty much basic stuff. I got some extra brisket. So if, if anybody wants a whole pack of brisket, we can take care of you. So just very, very basic. So just, you know, trying to get through till Saturday and, uh, you know, uh, take Sunday off and then get back on the grind on Monday. What are you doing for the fourth? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about getting on a plane and going to New Jersey and go hang out at Monmouth Park and watch one of my horses run this weekend. So uh, I know that's pretty random and wild, but yeah, uh, thinking about uh, getting on a plane and going to New Jersey uh, to the New Jersey shore for the weekend. You're global these days. You're just Bob Baffert with more meats. <laughs> oh, man, it's actually pretty awkward. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was telling my buddy, he's like, what are you doing for Fourth of July? And I go, well, I mean, if I get the store taken care of, I've just hired a couple new employees and they're really great. And uh, it's a kind of a blessing uh, to find some good uh, workers and, uh, and especially with the times that are going on right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, summer in Oxford, man. You know, uh, everybody just, you know, tries to get through June and July to get through August and where the students come back and football starts and, you know, back on the grind. So I don't know, but yeah, uh, I, I bet you weren't expecting me to answer getting on an airplane and going to New Jersey to hang out at the Jersey store for the weekend. No, I was not. But here's a little pro tip. Now that uh, you're not only is LBs just through the going to the moon, your uh, your horse ventures are too. So when you <laughs> tell someone you're going to New Jersey to go watch a horse race, you just gotta say, "I'm gonna hop on the jet." You're not saying, <laughs> jet. You're also "Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, just say I'll hop on the jet and I'll head up to New Jersey. I'll decide morning of. Boom. Yeah, we I'm need to. Uh, we need name to get. We need to get uh, a couple plugs for Nicholas Air in on this podcast to where uh, uh, so they can start sponsoring the podcast to where we uh, have free jet trips to New Jersey uh, to go watch the horses. 
I don't hate that. If someone from Nicholas Air is listening and wants to sponsor us, I actually won't take any money. I'm a man of the people. I would just like a plane. Yeah, I mean, or just, you know, if I could text you at a random time and say, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about going to New Jersey for the weekend. Uh, y'all got a plane that goes up there? Maybe that's how that maybe that's the third chapter of our lives of getting rich. Uh, you know, for the last 10 years, there's been a bunch of dudes in Silicon Valley just wanting to wear a vest and sit on a board and claim they're the Uber of whatever industry they're in. Let's be the Uber of private jets. Is that a thing yet? Let's write that one down. Yeah, I mean, why not have uh, an LB steak on a private jet, you know, on the way to Saratoga? Uh, I mean, that sounds good to me. Yeah, uh, meets and air travel. So I'll, we can, uh, uh, we can uh, pair it up with an Airbnb, and, you, you know, just for a particular flat rate, you can uh, – get on your private jet and you can go to Saratoga and uh, I, I, that's where I'm going. I'm going to Saratoga in uh, August. So supposedly that's the, the Mecca of all horse races. Uh, so excited about that too. Yeah. I don't really see the need to finish this podcast because clearly the only reason we do it is for the high amount of money we each both get from it. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. We could probably just shut this down now because we've come up with the idea. If you're out, I may not even publish this. If you're out there listening, don't steal this idea. And I know you're trying to right now. So put the pen away. Um, I mean, you know, like I said, I think we're up to 25 listeners now. So, I mean, I know for sure one of our 25 listeners is going to take advantage of this genius opportunity. Absolutely. We're global now. Part of the Rebel Grove Network, we're all over the place. There's going to be dudes in China being like, damn, why did I not think of this? So, yeah, I mean, uh, a $15, 16-ounce prime strip is the best deal I've ever heard of. Exactly, exactly. And All I have to do is press a button? Exactly. And then you have a plane to show up with it. So – uh, be that as it may, in case that does not pan out, and we're going to have to get IT on that to see if that's all legal and everything, let's, uh, let's roll through a couple of these mailbag questions. They appear to be a bit more grill corner centric, but hey, it's 4th of July. Like, uh, who cares? That was kind of what I led the podcast with. Um, this, is, uh, this is what it's all about. So this is going to be a uh, Greg carried show. Greg will be the thoroughbred of the show. First one we got on deck is favorite venison tenderloin recipe yeah i mean you know uh, we do deer, do deer processing and uh you know wild game is a little bit more gamey so you have to you know maybe uh treat it a little bit differently but what i usually do with a uh, deer tenderloin is i butterfly it open and stuff it with cream cheese and jalapeno and wrap it in bacon and smoke it and then slice it it's really good i, I highly recommend that so that sounds pretty awesome. Walk us, walk me through that one more time. I'm a little slow. So um, uh, the tenderloin on a deer is basically just like kind of like a beef tenderloin, but not really. It's going to be a little bit smaller. It's the actual back strap of the deer. So with that being said, it's kind of about the size of a, um, I would say a large pork tenderloin. You know what a pork tenderloin looks like? Yes, I do. So a little, probably about a little bit bigger than a pork tenderloin. So a deer backstrap's not that big, but with that being said, uh, you can just uh, uh, butterfly it open, you know, kind of like take your knife and slice it down the middle and just open it up and then just put some cream cheese and some jalapeno and then just take it up and then just seal it back up and wrap it in bacon and just low and slow it and then smoke it for about, I don't know, 30 minutes at 200 degrees and then just slice and eat. So here's a dumb question that might turn out to be a smart question. And for those of you who are new to this podcast, Grill Corner is where Greg gives all these people that ask these questions incredible advice. And then when he 
whenever some dumb thought comes into my brain, I'll spit out a question myself, or I'll ask Greg to explain what he just explained to the listener, like I'm four years old. Eventually, I'll be able to turn on an oven by the end of these shows. When you mention the wild game kind of having to treat it differently, are there any general rules of thumb for cooking, smoking, grilling, some sort of wild game type of thing versus something that you would just get at your average butcher shop, or does that make any sense at all? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, obviously, whenever you kill a deer, you need to properly break it down. I mean, you know, it probably needs to be field dressed. And, uh, you know, some people actually, you know, hang them and dry age them in a meat cooler. I mean, it's very similar, but it's not, it's, you know, half the size of a cow. And, you know, it's very, very different, you know, to handle. But you just got to, you know, know what you're doing. Uh, you know, you have to... Um, take the tenderloins and the loins out first, and then, you know, take your uh, shoulder meat out and then take your hindquarters out. So, um, you know, you just got to know what you're, you know, just properly handling the proper meat um, before you do anything like that, especially with wild game. Okay. That's uh that's good advice. Let's uh, I'm going to skip this next one for now because it's not meat related and we probably need to get a little further in the podcast before discussing this uh, on this baseball state baseball divide. Let's go – we're skipping around a little bit here. All right, here we go. Long-time listener to the show here, Corey Clark. Grilling a 14-ounce T-bone this weekend. As for the question – oh, this is Cheetos Mac and Cheese guy. Yeah, this, Sorry. yeah that's Cheetos guy. Quick sidebar here. Okay, here we go. Corey Clark – let's try this again. Grilling a 14-ounce T-bone this weekend. As for the question, have either of you had the flaming Hot Cheetos Mac and Cheese yet? I feel like it would pair nicely – with a sweet Memphis-style barbecue sauce. Uh, here's another dumb question. He's not talking about barbecue sauce on the mac and cheese, is he? Yeah, I mean, I think he's trying to think about – I think he's, like, making a sandwich, or <laughs> it might be as a side. You know, I, I mean, I'm just – I mean, like, surely he's not, like, making a sandwich out of this. Dude, maybe my that, first prediction was the most accurate. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe, maybe the T-bone. Well, I guess he's grilling the T-bone. Maybe the grilling came before the smoking, and uh, he's just. This is an everything sandwich. And uh, look, not speaking from experience, but you know, some people who have been there before, some of those hooligans out west, there are times where you anything between two pieces of bread is the greatest sandwich you've ever made. Maybe that's what this guy's getting at. I have heard, like I mentioned, of the Cheetos mac and cheese. Um, have you had it? Do you know where the origins of this? We, we're going to need to get IT on this uh, while you're talking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think didn't Burger King have like fried mac and cheese ball Cheetos something? So that something I seen on the commercial. So I, you may not be wrong, and that's maybe where I saw it. It may be. I mean, I haven't eaten Burger King or McDonald's or anything in like a long time, but I just remember seeing like driving by uh, and seeing like fried mac and cheese Cheeto balls from Burger King or something like that. Is it something like that is he, he's talking about? No, so you may not be wrong because I, I think I've seen something like that. And by the time this podcast comes out, I'll probably have gotten a couple of texts being like, hey, you idiot, this might be what you're thinking of. But it actually appears, if, if, if the Google machine is not lied to our stats and information department, Cheeto has literally come up with a box of mac and cheese that looks like the Kraft mac and cheese, the cardboard box. I'm assuming it has like the hard noodles inside or whatever. And you have a flaming hot and a regular mac and cheese option. So Cheeto has literally made a box mac and cheese. And dude, I'm not going to lie. If I get my hands on this, I'm, I am going to try both this. this yeah. I'm, 
it's something about putting it in a box. I wasn't sure about it at first. If you put this in a box, I'm sold. If it looks like craft, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, well, so um, I've had, you know, everybody makes mac and cheese differently, and, you know, there's certain different ways. I've been uh, – I, I uh, had a lady that told me she puts Ritz crackers on top of her mac and cheese and butter and then a little bit of layer of cheese and then throws it in the oven and bakes it and kind of makes like a double-baked mac and cheese. So that's what I'm kind of thinking about with the Cheetos. Like, I'm assuming that, you know, you make your mac and cheese, you stir it up, and then you put the Cheetos on top to where it makes kind of a crust. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confused on it. So you don't have the same screen up that I do, but – and I'm not saying you're wrong, but uh, just judging here from the uh, play diagram I have up, and by that mean I, I mean the front of the box on this picture on Google I'm looking up, it, it looks like your basic kind of spiral noodle mac and cheese. Just I'm guessing the flavoring is regular Cheetos or Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Now, if you want oh, so to put more Cheetos and get a little crunch in there, you know, walk on the wild side a little bit. I'm not deterring you from that, but I, I swear I think this is just Cheeto-flavored mac and cheese. Wow. Okay, so there's no crunch involved. This is just straight Cheeto cheese flavor. It, it appears so uh, wow. by what's in the bowl and what this uh, tiger, uh, not tiger, cheetah, Jesus, I'm slow today, is putting in his mouth. Um, that the Cheetos guy is a cheetah. Yeah, just, just a cheetah. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that took me a second. You know, well, I'm probably not cutting that out, but just forgive me. So back back to his question. Let's reel this in a little bit. Two, uh, two follow-ups to this. I don't know what he means by the barbecue sauce. I, I do not. When I see Chester Cheetah or Chester Cheeto uh, scooping this into his mouth, I don't think barbecue sauce, but I also don't hate the idea. But you're not also putting barbecue on a steak, so he's got to be putting the barbecue sauce somewhere, correct? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, the only thing I can think of that would be remotely good and, like, I can probably give him some advice to, like, maybe change it up on this is maybe grill your 14-ounce your, your T-bone to like medium rare to rare and then slice it and then put it on a, like a, like a, like a hoagie bun or something like that. And then maybe sprinkles the mac and cheese and maybe, maybe grill some onions and barbecue sauce with it. Something like that. Maybe kind of a hodgepodge, uh, um, uh, nukes, you know, on the fly, maybe make the menu sandwich. I don't hate that. I don't hate that idea, but now I'm definitely going to have to try this Cheeto mac and cheese. Last part of this question before we move on, and he didn't ask this. This is me asking this. Um, is a 14-ounce T-bone the Marlboro Red of meats? That, that seems like a large undertaking. Well, I mean, you know, T-bone is going to be a bone-in New York strip, and then the porterhouse is going to be a bone-in strip with a filet mignon on the same side. So uh, the, uh, the T-bone and the porterhouse is off the same cut off the cow. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if you would compare it to a Marlboro Red. I mean, I think Marlboro Reds are pretty harsh, honestly. But uh, I, uh, I would say that uh, a T-bone steak is a, very, is a very traditional cut. And, uh, I mean, widespread pain um, sang a song about a T-bone steak. So, I mean, you know, that uh, should be pretty decent um, cut of meat if they're ta uh, talking about it. So in terms of the meat world, the T-bone is not a hardcore operation. I'm a little surprised by this. It just seems like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, – maybe I'm over here making stuff up. I just I, 
I saw that as like the hardcore version of that in Porterhouse was probably the next one to come to mind. That just seems like a, uh, a lot to digest literally and figuratively. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, the, the T-bone is just a big fat bone in strip and then, you know, the Porterhouse, you add that filet mignon to it. So, I mean, if you're taking down a, a 28 to 32 ounce Porterhouse a day, I mean, you're, uh, you're probably going to live a long time. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I could agree. I could agree with that. Uh, you're definitely not short on uh, protein. What's that line from kicking and screaming where the old guy, uh, is like, I take a vitamin every day. It's called a steak. Uh, that's, yeah. that's kind of what that, that screams to me. I would like a follow up uh, from Corey Clark here on what, where the, how the Memphis style barbecue sauce, uh, comes in because he's either, uh, I said sounds incredible, but I was just – I responded to that on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I was I really mean, just mesmerized by the mac and cheese. The barbecue sauce has now thrown me off. I'd like a follow-up on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, uh, less is more. I mean, you know, if you do that mac and cheese and, uh, and, and T-bone sandwich, I think that would be really good. Wet or dry ribs? I don't know anything about ribs, but I always operate on a wet is better than dry policy in most facets of life. So a little life hack, put that in your back pocket if you're driving down the road today. Um, but I, I don't know. What's your preference? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, actually, uh, the Memphis and May contest, uh, they judge dry ribs, and then they just put your barbecue sauce on the side. So it just gives you that option of uh, – um, you know, dipping the rib in the in it, uh, or you know, put it on there. You know, uh, if you're trying to you know make people happy and you're trying to like maybe cater a Fourth of July um, party or something like that, I would go with dry ribs with barbecue on the side. Okay, what's uh? So you 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 like dry ribs? Why uh? Why like why is that a preference? Because I well, I mean, it's just I mean, you know, you can uh, that you can cut them up properly and it's not going to be messy. And then, you know, like I said, uh, some people like dry ribs, some people like wet ribs. But, I mean, the easiest way to solve that problem is just, you know, smoke them to the dry, put the barbecue sauce right there, and, you know, and the people can make them their own wet ribs if they want. Is there anything to the notion of, like, even if you like wet ribs, being able to apply the amount you want? Or what you can do is just, you know, uh, if if you are – know the party's extension uh, of, of, of the person that's cooking all the food at the party, you know, just say, hey, man, uh, are you smoking ribs? Yes, I'm smoking ribs. Hey, how many racks are you smoking? I'm smoking three racks. Hey, will you do one of the racks wet? Because I like wet. So communication goes a long way. So you can, you know, just request for one, sm- one rack of wet ribs and then one rack of uh, dry ribs. Okay, I uh, that uh, that's a great way to explain it. Here's uh, here's one we got here that that seems maybe I'm wrong. Seems a little bit deep. What are you doing in your position of influence, and how can the rest of us meat chefs help to change the stigma of color indicating doneness, despite various cooking methods altering internal meat appearance (parentheses smoking, sous vide, etc.) where the true indicator is internal temperature. So to kind of congest this, and this was not worded poorly, it was just a mouthful, particularly for a podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong. This guy's basically at saying that the whole check the color of the meat is kind of a crock of shit, and it's actually just the internal temperature is the only constant across all forms of cooking the meat. Do I have this correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy replied with uh, down below him. He said, you know, I just prefer it to – 
you know, cut the head and cut the ass off and sear it on each side for a little bit. And, you know, as long as it's not bleeding, um, I, this, if you don't have a meat thermometer and if you don't have, you know, the proper cooking and, uh, utensils, whenever you're grilling out, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard this. So take your thumb and then take your, uh, you look at your thumb and it kind of almost looks like a little drumstick, you know, it's kind of got that meat on the bottom of the thumb. So connect your thumb to your index finger. And so whenever you connect your thumb to your index finger, put just press your finger on that, that, that chicken tender time. So you see how soft it is? I mean, it's like kind of bouncy. That is medium rare to rare. Um, so uh, that's a, just kind of a telltale sign of how to check your meat. And then so you take your thumb and do your, your small finger and then press it and how it's firm. It's very firm to where it's not bouncy. It's not as, it's not as bouncy as uh, the index finger. That's well done. So that just goes to show you the difference of whenever you're touching your meat on the grill. So just kind of like a little, uh, little fad that I uh, was told back in the day how to check it without a meat thermometer. Walk me through that one more time because my- Okay, so you take your thumb. Okay. And then you take your index, your index finger. And you connect your thumb tip to your index finger tip. Now, whenever you connect it, the bottom half of your thumb, the meat part of the thumb, just press that and it's going to be kind of mushy, kind of squishy. It's kind of like, you know, kind of bouncy. That means the meat is not done. It's more like medium rare. So the index, the, the thumb and the small finger connect those and then touch it, it's a lot firm. It's not as bouncy as it, with your index finger. So with that being said, that's more medium. So it's more like a feel thing. When you say small, is that, were we talking pinky finger? Yeah, the, yeah, the pinky finger, yeah. So connect your thumb to your pinky finger and then press, put your, you know, just tap your finger on the meat part of your, the bottom of your thumb and it should be firm. It's like real firm, a lot different from the index finger when you press it because it's a little it's a lot softer and a lot bouncier that's okay. the difference that's the difference between medium rare and and medium the firmness whenever you're touching your the bottom of your thumb okay so that okay i see uh, what you're getting at this is this is a compare the finger to the meat thing not yeah so meat. like it's it's you it's you touching it's you touching the bottom of your thumb and you can feel how soft and bouncy it is versus the but versus the thumb on your pinky finger. It's, it's a lot firm, a lot, a lot firmer. Okay. I can, okay. I see what you're getting at now. That seems like a tip that's withstood the test of time, perhaps since we discovered fire as a society, that's pretty interesting as it pertains to this guy's question. It, it, it sounds like he's arguing that, you know, you're basically an animal if you're going off of just some tongs, cut the thing open a little bit, see what it is, and that's how you say it's done. He's basically arguing that a meat thermometer, and I know not everyone has one, is an essential, essential piece of cooking equipment. In fact, he says it in his reply. Basically, an instant read thermometer should be as important as tongs for any type of cooking to produce consistent quality results. So with that being said, what's the price of a meat thermometer, and why does everyone not do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever somebody asks us how to cook something at LB's, the first thing I literally say is, 
do you have a meat thermometer? So that's usually you're going to be your first bit thing to own if you're going to cook or if you want to learn how to cook because you need to learn the temperatures. Like beef temperatures are different from pork temperatures and they're different from chicken temperatures. So you just got to be aware of proper temperatures of cooking. You don't want to, you don't want to get order a nice bone-in or boneless ribeye from LB's, a nice exclusive prime cut, put salt and pepper on it, and then put it at 500 degrees for 20 minutes on each side. And, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be overcooked and uh, you don't want that, you know. Uh, so, honestly, what you want to do is you want to cook it for maybe three, depending on how hot your grill is, you know, maybe do three or four minutes on each side and then check it on your meat thermometer and see where the internal temperature is. If you're right at 115 to 120, you really don't need that much time to finish it off. Just put it on indirect heat for about five minutes and get it to about 125 to 130. That's medium rare. Okay, and so in terms of this being mainstream in terms of grilling, like I'm guessing early 1980s, you know, your father being out wherever, grilling on a lake or something is probably not inspecting it with a meat thermometer. When is meat, meat thermometers come mainstream and just best guess, I'm, I, I'm not asking to crunch numbers here. Like I like just best estimation, like how mainstream is that? And how common is it for someone to walk into LBs and be like, yes, I do have a meat thermometer. Like are these, yeah, well, that's I mean, kind of an expert or are you just a caveman? If you don't at this point is basically no, I'm not, not necessarily caveman. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, with a with a meat thermometer it helps you out and lets you know where your meat temperature stands like you can eat chicken at 160 degrees 165 it, it, you don't have to cook it to 200 degrees you know like um as long as it's just to the proper temperatures you you can you know cook certain things certain ways so it is what it is but no there's a lot of uh digital meat thermometers that i recommend you know you just stick it right there in the middle it gives you a temperature and then you you know advance on to where hey, I need to cook this for five more minutes, or hey, this needs to come off the grill. So it's just a, um, I wouldn't say not a caveman thing, but it's a good thing to have uh, because modern technology helps out a lot. Would you say more people that do or don't have it these days, just flip a coin, best guess? Um, man, I, I mean, I, 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 would, I would say most people have uh, meat thermometers. Okay, that's it. Okay, I, that 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 sums it up. Um, you know, outside of me and my like dumb college friends, like we, we took that golf trip last summer, and you hooked us up with the uh, the uh, uh, shoot, what was that? The burgers, not the but it's not uh, the fillet burgers. Yeah, the fillet burgers. burgers. You, yeah, I was going blank there for a second. Do you, but you do you need a meat thermometer for something like that, or can you? I mean, I, not really. I mean, you know, if if you've got a certain uh, if you've got the grill going a certain way and you know that it's being cooked at a consistent temperature. Uh, you really just want to put burgers on indirect heat for, I mean, I would say, I, what I usually do with burgers is I like to put the charcoal on one side and the charcoal not on the other side to where you have a direct heat and you have an indirect heat. You put those burgers on the indirect heat and just shut them down and let them smoke out indirect heat to where they get some texture to it. And then once they get that good solid texture to it, then you can go direct heat on each side for about three or four minutes and you're done. Okay. So, uh, Greg, the Bryson DeChambeau of grilling, the guy's just a mad yeah. scientist. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, here we go. Draft your top three barbecue side items. 
Oof, man, that's a great question. Well, I'm uh, thinking of three. Uh, can I go first since I, I'm going to be yeah. handicapped here? I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody's here to listen to you, not me. So, I mean, I don't know, don't know why you wouldn't go first for sure. Well, you own the meat shop, and this is Grill Corner, man. That, that I would uh, take the roles reverse here, but <laughs> I'm going to go big, big beans first. Is that does that count? Yes, I, I um, yes. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of different baked beans out there. I mean, do you like just out of the can baked beans with some sauce and that's it, or do you like to like doctor them up? So that's honestly a good question. I am actually your. I don't hate like the doctored version. Like if if someone has like some fancier baked beans, I'm not like oh no this this stuff. I really like all kinds. But honest to God, the the stuff I enjoy the most in terms of the baked beans is just the classic bean sauce and i would like it to be very sweet for whatever reason i've always associated baked beans as like a sweet barbecue thing and when it's a little so, more so you're 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 a hickory pit jackson guy yeah that's actually a great yes i do i actually love hickory <laughs> baked beans from jackson that's a great way to put it but it, but it's not like when i get like the more tangy type and it's a different type of barbecue sauce i'm not like oh this isn't good I would just say that would be my favorite if I'm ranking them. So that would be uh, my baked beans. What about you? What like do you soup up baked be- soup suit up soup up whatever? We're not English majors on this. Do you soup up baked beans? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I, it, I, it's it's hard for me just to you know open up a can of something and put it in the oven and warm it up and you know present it and hope hoping it's good. But uh, what I usually do is I do kind of uh, this is what I do for the baseball team is. Uh, I uh, take a pound of uh, ribeye sausage and I take it out of the casing and I cook it and, uh, in a pan and uh, cook, cook the meat thoroughly through. And then I take uh, Bush's baked beans, I take kidney beans, I take pinto beans, and I take uh, the uh, white, uh, I forgot what bean, what the white beans called, but I take just four different types of beans and I mix them all together. And then I add mustard and barbecue sauce. And then once I mix everything up and the meat and everything together, then I'm just put brown sugar on top of it and then just bake it in the oven. Okay. That sounds pretty solid. There's a kind of similar to mac and cheese. And we, we spent so long trying to decipher our man's correlation between the barbecue sauce and the flaming hot cheetos mac and cheese the last thought i had on the mac and cheese part of it was so i worked at nukes not to brag not a big deal nine times self-proclaimed employee of the month but that's neither here nor there when you i invented started, the, you invented the q sauce that's, what, that's I, what you did pretty much i'm actually surprised that place uh that place has stayed afloat since i stopped busting tables <laughs> but anyway <laughs> Anyway, the uh, they started when I when I left or like seriously the year I get all serious the year I was like going to college or whatever and I you know quit the high school job or whatever they were kind of going with like the crawfish mac and cheese and a couple other types of mac and cheese and it was really good. I feel like baked beans and mac and cheese are one and the same where you can get kind of crazy with them and it all will probably end up tasting okay. Is there any parallel there? Yeah, I mean um, honestly. Uh... There's uh, my mom used to make something called Tex-Mex and uh, it was just basically mac and cheese, ground beef and um, kind of like Rotel tomatoes and a tomato sauce. So it was kind of like a, I don't know, like a taco mac and cheese sort of thing. It was really good. I highly recommend it. Put some corn in there also. It's really good. That sounds awesome. So all we got through in this draft so far was my first pick of baked beans. 
Um, oh, yeah. We just spent like 30 minutes on baked beans. That's pretty solid. That, that is pretty solid. This That might be the fastest up-and-coming talk segment in North America. <laughs> we'll have to check um, ratings after um, I mean, as far as other odds, I mean, you know, uh, potato salad is a very uh, solid combo. Uh, mac and cheese is a very solid combo. I mean, it just depends on the potato salad. You know, you've got the mayonnaise potato salad and got a mustard potato salad. So, like, you got to try to make, you know, uh, two different people happy on that because as soon as you make a mayonnaise potato salad, they're going to be like, oh, you know, I just don't like mayonnaise. Well, don't worry. We made the, we made the you know, the, the mustard egg salad for you. So, um, but, yes, it's hard to, uh, to nail down the top three. I would definitely say baked beans. Mac and cheese, potato salad. Um, man, I'm just trying to think traditional, you know, here. But um, You just cleared I mean, I, this up for me. You just cleared the whole thing up for me. I thought he literally meant, like, barbecue-related side items. No, I mean, I'm assuming, like, these are items that are going to go with, uh, with, with the 4th of July spread. Okay, see, like, if he just said cookout, I would have been like, okay, or grill out, whatever. I, now I see what we're getting at. I thought there had to be barbecue sauce involved. No, this makes more sense. You're totally right. Just please excuse my dumb brain moment. So my second – Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it, it just side items for the barbecue on top of, like, the ribs and the brisket and the burgers and hot dogs. Like, I'm assuming that that's kind of the, the angle he's kind of go, getting at. You're exactly right, 99% chance. And even if you're not, we're, uh, that'll make the draft more fun. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll just go that route. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't regret my top pick, though. But can I, I'll, add a, I'll get a weird second pick. I'll go a little weird on you. I don't ever do regular lays, but something about if you're, like, eating a burger or, like, hot dog or something outside on 4th of July, the regular lays kind of slap, and I'm not sure why. I know that's a terrible choice, but I don't care. I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's more – I mean, you can't get more traditional than a hot dog that's not called a sandwich with, uh, you know, ketchup and mustard on it with a bag of Lay's potato chip right there. I mean, that's uh, that's about the most American thing you can get right there. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's my second pick. What's yours? Man, um, I mean, I kind of like the grazing, you know, like where you can set up everything and you just pick out whatever you want. I mean, you know, maybe – grab one rib and maybe make a pulled pork sandwich or make a burger or, you know, make a, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, 4th of July is so much fun just because, I mean, you're either at the lake or you're, uh, at a horse track in New Jersey or, you know, it's just, there's a lot of different angles you can get going on this 4th of July weekend. But, uh, I would prefer a pontoon boat, uh, maybe a couple booze cruises in the morning and a couple booze cruises at the night have all the food already set up on the table and, you know, we just come and get food and go. So that, that's, that's kind of my preference on that. I'm going to go Mac and cheese is my third pick. Uh, I'm not going to go off into the weeds and go Cheeto, but Mac and cheese is always a good barbecue related side. Oh yeah. I agree. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean the potato, well, a good coleslaw. I don't know if you like coleslaw. I mean, I like a good coleslaw. Similar to baked beans for me. I like the sweeter coleslaw. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, kind of like the Chick-fil-A coleslaw, you know, the very light and fluffy one. Yes, I would say that's dead on. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm just, I, it's just hard for me to narrow it down to three. You know, can we do five? Like, how about that? Can we just do like a big bowl of potato chips, uh, you know, coleslaw, baked beans, mac and cheese, potato salad, 
some ribs, some smoked brisket, maybe smoke a tri-tip, maybe smoke a uh, couple beef short ribs. I mean, like, we can hang out and have a good time for sure. We, we oh. would definitely have to charge uh, at least $5 for the cover for sure. Oh, we get three picks a piece here, I think. So, like, you, you get three, I get three. We could take the same one. There, there really are no rules here. This is, this is knob. There are no rules. The opposite. Yeah, that famous I thing. agree. I, I, I like – I'm going to go uh, – I, I mean, I'm just a big fan of baked beans. And I like coleslaw for some strange reason and mac and cheese. I mean, I just – the potato salad is just you're on the fence because there's – if you get one potato salad and it's a mayonnaise potato salad, they're going to like, oh, I don't like the mayonnaise. And then if you get the mustard potato salad, like, oh, I don't like mustard. So I think potato salad is too controversial. I think we're just going to go mac and cheese, baked beans, and maybe uh, some some ribeye cream cheese stuffed mushrooms from LB's. Oh, there we go. I knew that you had to get the plug in there as well. I was about to say, LB's brings the sides to a whole nother level. Like, I don't even know if we could have included some of those in there because that's – Yeah, those jalapeno poppers, like jalapeno poppers. Like, that has to be in there. Like, I'll, I'll, I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a homer and say uh, LB's jalapeno poppers. To hell with barbecue sides. I would eat that no matter, like, what you're cooking. You could be like, here's some Thai food. Oh, by the way, some jalapeno poppers make sweet mix as well for, uh, for me. The, uh, <laughs> now that we have has completed our, uh, our barbecue side draft, and that was very well ex- executed. So a uh, verbal pat on the back to both of us there. The, let's see, the next one we had question-wise was – shoot, I just lost it. Oh, oh here we go. Favorite barbecue sauce brand, and I know we've gotten this question in the past. Um, no, sorry, that was a uh, that was a marinade question. That was Hoover sauce, right? What's your favorite barbecue sauce? We have gotten this question again before, I should say. You were talking about kind of the local ones you've kept at LBs in the past. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, you know, you just can't go wrong with. Uh, there's three different types. I mean, you got that uh, that Carolina that vinegar style uh, barbecue sauce or their traditional uh, Memphis-style barbecue sauce, like the Sweet Baby Ray's, or, and then you got the Alabama white barbecue sauce. So, um, you know, you can't go wrong with it, either one. It just uh, uh, tickle, your, tickle your fancy and just pick whatever one. Uh, I like uh, – I kind of like that vinegar uh, barbecue sauce. It's a little bit uh, runnier and not as thick as the, uh, the Memphis-style. So, uh, I'm going to go with, a you know, kind of like a – I like the, uh, the Carolina-style. I'm going to go with the Alabama white and walk on the wild side just because nukes was fresh on my mind. Uh, oh, I've got a very subjective question that's going to make people mad either way, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyway. The greatest, like, clickbait article, I think, of the 20 teens was blank place has great barbecue, but the real barbecue capital of the world is blank. And then the newspaper media would intentionally put up the shittiest picture of barbecue possible just to get interactions online and have people mad at it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. That was the, uh, I think that was the New York barbecue. Yeah. Brooklyn. Uh, there, there's yeah, Brooklyn style barbecue. Yeah. And it was like two, two, bo- t- uh, two bones of rib that, you know, just looked like it'd been cooked like three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but the, it, the people fell into the trap. I mean, it became a game. Like some, some. Well, that's app, how you make money now. Yeah, exactly. Something like, look, you got, you got, got to get these clicks. It's like, I always love yeah. the people that accuse the subscription. I mean, I would be clicking if, if, if somebody said $15 for a 16 ounce prime strip, I think I would be clicking on it a lot. I, I mean, that's just me, though. 
Yes, that's a repeat rights newsletter, but we're not clickbait over here. We are, uh, we are quality and we deliver quantity. Or excuse me, we, we, we are quantity and we deliver quality. I got our, uh, the catchphrase backwards. But this whole, this whole who had the best barbecue was just a gigantic internet trap for rage clicks. Like it would just be some random asshole in New York and being like, you want to stir up the South today? Let's take a picture of this cheese tick and call it the best barbecue place in the country. <laughs> like that's literally what it became. But putting you on the spot, long going way to say it. You're global now these days. You're flying on the you know jets around the country to go to horse <laughs> races. What is the best barbecue town place you've ever had? You can answer it either way. Oh man, I mean you know that's uh that's tough because uh, you know um, it, it seems like every person uh, from Jackson um, to to Oxford you know usually likes to make a trip to Rendezvous and you know, go and get a, a rack of ribs and everything. It's just a little too traditional for me. I, I mean, I kind of like the, uh, the, uh, the barbecue shop ribs a little bit better. They've got a little bit sweeter thing, but man, uh, I think Moe's in Oxford, uh, has a uh, solid barbecue. I mean, uh, definitely want to give them a plug. They're good people, uh, good people over there. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, gas station, Barbecue uh, is also pretty solid in Mississippi. So, I mean, you know, not sitting here saying uh, that Mississippi uh, isn't uh, not known for barbecue, but there's some pretty good barbecue stops in Mississippi. I haven't been to Kansas City. Um, I, I wish I could say I had an opinion on Kansas City barbecue. I haven't been to Carolinas and had any of uh, Carolina barbecue. So I wish I could give a professional, you know, uh, answer on this, but I'm just going to stick to my roots and just uh, say that Mississippi barbecue is uh, very unique. And uh, until I have something different, uh, I'll, I'll just keep my answer as uh, Mississippi and Memphis style pit barbecue. Don't sleep on Moe's. I agree. Someone who's not well-traveled, I would say Moe's and Hickory Pit. How about that? Yeah. I mean, the Hickory Pit. Uh, do you remember Big Jim's back in the day in, in Jackson? I do, but I'm not kind of old enough to remember how that tasted. You know, it's a new one, though. It's up there that's pretty good if you're in the Jackson area. Pig and Pint is dank. And oh, yeah. Good beer. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, good concept. Go and get some good barbecue and get a good pint of beer for sure. Um, Absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of good barbecue joints in, uh, in, in Mississippi for sure. All right, so the way to, to close this out, though, he said best barbecue sauce brand. Do you have a favorite brand? Are you at? Are you legally allowed to say this? Uh, do you keep multiple in stock, or do you have to be neutral? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Is this Kirk Herbstreet broadcasting the game that night? He can't make a pick. Do you have a favorite brand? Uh, a brand of barbecue? Barbecue sauce. Sorry, excuse me. Oh, uh, barbecue sauce. Word. Ah, yeah. I mean, I'm not in contract with Hoover. I sell Hoover sauce. I mean, I'm not in – uh, contract with any of the uh, certain barbecue sauce so I can pretty much answer however I want but you know uh, the sweet baby rays is always very solid uh, go-to that you don't have to worry about that's always consistently and good um, I, you know the hoover sauce I like to doctor up my hoover sauce a little bit maybe add some sweet uh, maybe add like a spicy uh, barbecue sauce so um, i I like to uh, smoke uh, smoke uh, the meats too and uh, and create get my mind created and uh, make my own barbecue sauce and combine some stuff. There you go. You can join that guy making his own Cheeto sauce sandwich. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. We have a new segment. This is another candidate for the fastest growing segment in sports talk uh, podcasting. 
rate my rub is the way this gentleman starts this. One tablespoon of salt, one and one-fourth teaspoon of paprika, one and one-fourth teaspoon of ground black pepper, one half teaspoon onion powder, one half teaspoon garlic powder, one fourth teaspoon ground cayenne pepper, one fourth teaspoon turmeric. I don't know how to say that word. Uh, one fourth teaspoon ground coriander. I don't know how to spell that either. You have this up in front of you. That was probably just a painful read. Rate this guy's rub. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very traditional. Uh, it sounds very. Uh almost kind of like our LB's house seasoning that we make, uh, make at LB's. Uh, uh, I, you know, uh, it sounds very good. Uh, I, you know, he said it was called Rebel Rub, and uh, there's a place in, um, in Jackson called Rebel Butcher that sells Rebel Rubs. Uh, I told him to, he probably needs to just come up with a, another name. I think he came up with Bush Sauce or something like that. Anyway. Uh, I, I think he followed that up with, and we're going to keep this G-rated. We're talking about barbecue sauce here. Yeah. Oh, rub. We're talking yeah. about rubs. Yeah. Talking about marinade rubs. So we're, we're his name is We're Jeff. definitely going to get a lot of clicks after you say this, for sure. Yeah, he's, he, he's naming it Rub My Bush. And look, yeah, we're strictly professionals house. here, so do not laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I – What's the logo know, of Rub My maybe, Bush Rub? Yeah, maybe in the late '80s, I think it'd be good, uh, but not, not, uh, not, uh, not now. But <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Damn it! I said we weren't gonna laugh. Uh, oh man, uh, man, just a different time in a different world. I think that uh, rub my bush uh, barbecue sauce would have been really, really good and top notch. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Trying my best to put this back. So is Mississippi, did Mississippi State win the national championship yet? Or are we, <laughs> There's more time for that. We are putting this podcast somewhat back on the rails. What makes up a good rub? Like, how do you, how do you, yeah, well, just your basic I, even, I wouldn't stuff. even, I never would have even thought about that. Yeah, no, you just your basic, uh, basic seasonings. Uh, you know, he's on the right track with uh, uh, garlic, garlic powder. Uh, there's an onion powder. Um, there's a garlic salt, um, and there's a, uh, there's a lot of different things. Paprika is going to be your main ingredient on any kind of barbecue rub. Gives it that red, you know, barbecue look. Uh, I've had some people, you know, put brown sugar in house and, you know, in their own house seasoning. Just depends on if you want more of a sweeter rub or if you want more of a savory rub. If you want a sweeter rub, obviously you'll put some brown sugar and paprika garlic powder, onion powder, maybe some pepper, low salt. But if you want something without the, the brown sugar, just don't take, don't put the brown sugar in there. Maybe go heavy on paprika, garlic salt, onion powder, and then do cayenne and pepper. And then just keep it very basic to where there's no sugar involved. And you can just add your sugar and your barbecue sauce if you want something sweet. There, uh, there we go. I don't know what better way to add that. And congrats to you for getting this podcast back on the rails after that. I think – no, we had one more – excuse me. We had one more question, and this was a great way to close the, the grill corner part of the podcast was uh, what's on the griller smoker for the holiday weekend? Man, you know, that's just such a loaded question. We just uh, – uh, uh, we can go so many different angles with this thing. Um, I would say – 
I mean, if I'm if I'm hopping on my jet, you know, to go to Monmouth Park in New Jersey, I don't think I'm gonna be putting much on my grill. So, uh, <laughs> with that being said, I would if if I owned a lake house and I owned a pontoon boat and I could invite twenty to thirty of my friends, I would have a very nice spread, and uh, the spread would consist of some smoked ribs, some dry ribs, and some wet ribs, just so we can get everybody taken care of. Some mayonnaise potato salad and some mustard potato salad so we can get taken care of everybody on, on the potato salad. A big old plate of mac and cheese. Um, we'll go big old plate of baked beans. We can smoke uh, some brisket, maybe smoke a couple tri-tips, uh, maybe do a couple of Boston butt, maybe do some pulled pork. So, I mean, you know, and then top it off with some smoky bacon cheeseburgers, some filet burgers, and then do some uh, hot dogs and then do all the sausages. So, uh, you know, we could probably feed a lot of people at the LB's Lake House if we ever get one. Uh, yeah, I actually think that's a great uh, – maybe the, the LB's Lake House Airbnb. I love that. So we, we're uh, two, two, two sides of the same coin here because of the way this podcast has taken off and now we're cashing our eight- and nine-figure checks per month. I'm actually headed to the other coast. I'm headed to Newport Beach, California for the 4th of July weekend. I'm going to see my best friend from college who uh, I told you this before we started recording uh, lives in Newport beach works for the real life Jerry Maguire. So if you've ever seen the movie, Jerry Maguire, uh, he works for a guy named Lee Steinberg, who was uh, the movie was kind of modeled after his life, kind of had a big crash and burn. And uh, now it's kind of on the back on the up and up in his older age represents Patrick Mahomes, a couple other guys, sports agency. I probably buried the lead there works at a sports agency. But if you've seen the movie, Jerry Maguire, it's this guy. Actually had him on the podcast one time. Turns out he does not love it when you ask him to show him or ask him to say, show me the money. I don't know if you've seen that movie, um, but uh, he does not like it when you say that. So that's where I'm yeah. at. I can, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's been asked to say that a time or two and probably wasn't thrilled when this uh, this this nasally voice kid. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I, uh, when I played in Clarksdale last weekend, uh, there was a guy that came up and was like, oh, LB's guy. Man, I love your meat. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yes, he loves your meats. Yeah. And then he he was like, had an S shit. on that. But, uh, you yeah, know. He's, like, holy he's like, holy shit, I feel really awkward saying that. I was like, oh, no, dude, it's all good. I mean, you know. I get I get wives and girlfriends tell me that all the time. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell them to subscribe to the newsletter while you're at it. <laughs> but if I had the choice, I'd probably go, and I'm not a grower, so I would have a buddy. This is the key. You got to get a buddy with a boat and a buddy that the man the grill. Everyone has to have their jobs on 4th of July. And uh, I'm kind of the glue guy. Like if you got your crew at the lake or whatever on 4th of July, you got to have everyone has a role. You need a boat guy because you don't want to screw with the boat. You need a grill guy. You need a guy that kind of plans the excursion. And then I'm going to be the guy that sits there and drink beer with no responsibilities. But I'm going to make sure everyone is kind of, uh, kind of in the mix, having a good time, just uh, off, <laughs> off in the mix. Some could argue mine is the least important responsibility. Others could argue it's the most. But now that you've got your roles down, uh, as far as grill, I'm probably giving orders to grill guy to go burgers and hot dogs at lunch, like you mentioned, kind of an eat-around thing. And then here's a little wild card. I would like to go ribs and wings for dinner. Thoughts? Ooh. Yeah, I, uh, I ordered a bunch of wings, and I'm going to uh, pull out a new uh, recipe on some people. So um, I, I, I recommend doing the lemon pepper wings. 
And then before you put the lemon pepper wings that you get from LB's on the grill, put some just regular yellow mustard in there and just kind of give it a good toss with the yellow mustard. And then whenever you put the wings on the smoker, add a kind of like a honey, kind of like a glaze and try to and just add some honey on top of it as the wings are being smoked. And you've got a really awesome uh, honey mustard smoked uh, wing that's really to die for, honestly. That's uh, that would have that sounds pretty awesome, and that would have been a fantastic way to end this predominantly grill quarter podcast. But I'll uh, let you in on the uh, the sour note here. Actually, not even a sour note. We had one, we had a couple, but one they're kind of two sides of the same coin. One non grill corner related question, and it comes with why cannot Ole Miss not do what State is doing in baseball? And as we are recording this. Mississippi State, it appears if my television in my peripheral is of any indication, has officially polished off their first national championship in any team sport in history, and that being baseball, which congrats to them. That's uh, I'm watching them celebrate on the field that right now. That's pretty awesome. Like, that is a good team, good kids. It was a good storyline. Like, it's cool. Um, I don't know where you want to start to unpack this one, but uh, – Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough question. You know, it, look uh, – I get that Ole Miss fans get frustrated whenever they see Mississippi State, you know, go to the World Series every year, compete and everything, and it's and it's tough to swallow. And uh, you know, it, it, it's not like Mike can't get the job done. Uh, he he can get the job done. It's just uh, it's hard to get to Omaha. Um, you know, you've got to beat a team two times. Uh, not only do you have to beat that uh, team two times, uh, you know, you've got to beat two random different teams before you play in a super regional. So uh, baseball is a tough game. I'm not making any excuses. And, um, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, Bianco shouldn't have taken the LSU job and we shouldn't have gotten, you know, a new coach. But uh, it's tough. And uh, I just feel like Mississippi State maybe recruits a different player than Ole Miss recruits. I'm not sitting here saying that uh, I know uh, the type of person that, and player that Ole Miss recruits versus the type of player that Mississippi State recruits. It just it seems like, you know, the Mississippi State guys a little bit more gritty or a little bit more rough around the edges. Or, you know, to give you a good example, um, I thought that Tanner Mathis was uh, should have been a Mississippi State player. Uh, you know, whenever he showed up at Ole Miss and he played, you know, kind of with that grit and, you know, I just, you know, it, that just kind of, gives you an, an example of the different style and you know every coach uh, recruits differently you know and every coach um, you know uh, gets different players from different styles so I'm not going to sit here and say that I know what's the right type of player and the right type of player but it just is what it is. Great answer and I, I don't have a ton to add to that because there's actually a chance I do a couple of thoughts at the top of this podcast as a little solo thing we'll see how that goes but um, you know, to add on to your Tanner Mathis point, and Borky and I have talked. Borky and I had I had Michael Borky on the podcast last week. My old did he ever? Uh, did he ever reply back? Did he give us a question? No, that oh, you're, you're gonna hate that. You're wrong, super talk guy. Oh uh, my bad. That's okay. There's only three of them now because uh, they thought it was cool to. Add, you know what? Actually, I'm not gonna go down that path. We're gonna see. 
<laughs> I have a lot. Just of take beer. a sip of your beer. You'd be honest. Yeah, I'm going to take a sip of my beer, and I'm not going to talk about the guy owning the company. <laughs> rather being friends with the governor than actually doing good work. But, hey, we're doing it. We're here. We're here. I, we're here. I, hey, I, look, I'm trying to get sports online, sports wagering. You know, I'm trying to get a horse track in Mississippi. You know, I'm trying to get some money in this in this uh, state to – where it can make a Mississippi a better place because Mississippi's a great place. I mean, I, I've been to Maryland, I've been to you know different parts, and uh, man, I always come back to Mississippi. You know, just very, very thankful to be uh, born and bred in Mississippi. That's what I'm thinking. That's a great positive note to end the podcast on. I, the last thought I'll offer as far as the Ole Miss State thing, and none of that was a shot at Morky, by the way. He's one of my good friends, one of my favorite people to talk sports with. That was more of a management thing, but I, I shouldn't have even. I'm not cutting that out. We don't do that here, but uh, anyway, we'll just leave it as – anyway, Borky and I were on the podcast talking about this last week, and this was, of course, before State had won the national title. We were talking about the, the, the built-different guy, the grittier guy. It's a culture thing, and anytime you say the word culture, and, you know, if you're comparing two cultures and you're the, like, you're the team you cheer for or whatever is the inferior culture in the conversation, people immediately get defensive and think, Oh, he's talking about my team, X team, whatever, having a bad culture. That's not what that means. State has a different culture than Ole Miss, and it is better. It doesn't mean Ole Miss recruits like shitheads and they have bad kids. That's not exactly what it means at all. Ole Miss has had a lot of success. They've been a model program in terms of consistency. But the problem is that they haven't had the same peaks. And, you know, you would probably trade a 5 and 30 every now and then if there was, you know, a lower valley for a higher peak. And, um, you know, not to get long-winded on this, but you're exactly right in terms of the grit. And kind of to put it in a more R-rated term, Ole Miss needed a few more assholes through the years. They needed a Jake Mango. They needed a – I mean, if you want to keep it on the Ole Miss side, like you said, I actually thought that was a great point and a great answer. They needed a couple more Tanner Mathises. They needed a couple more kind of psychos like Drew Pomerantz. And not the – I don't mean to like dig at, the, at, at either kid, and I, I don't mean this badly, but not the, the Wes Burton hype-yourself-up psycho, the, the Drew Pomerantz, if Mike Bianco tries to take me out of this game right now, there's a chance I cold clock his ass on the mound type of psycho. You get what I'm getting at? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and uh, look, and uh, I think Rivals.com and all these, you know, sites that, you know, rate players and, you know, give them the three-star and the four-star and give them the, you know, the accolades that they deserve. You know, I think that's great. But, you know, uh, you know, you, you really just want a guy that wants to come to, to the college of whatever you choose – and comes to work and, you know, and puts in 100% effort. Is that going to be the number one guy overall all the time? Probably not. But, you know, there are some people that, you know, coaches pass on and some other coaches look at and, the, you know, the other coaches pick up on it. So it is what it is, you know. So it's baseball, you know, and there's a, a lot of athletes out there and a lot of good athletes that don't even get to touch D1. And it just is what it is. And State is continuously knocked down the door, right? They've, I mean, there's three straight trips to Omaha. That's as good as consistency as anyone in this sport. They played for a national title in 2013. You know, it, it's, they're, they're just a slight level above Ole Miss. And, you know, to answer this guy's question, I'll close with this. And I know you've said your piece, and I'm not going to, like, put you in a bad spot here. But at the end of the day, it does come down to coaching to some degree. Ole Miss and State are not that similar job. State probably operates on slightly more money than Ole Miss if you really want to crunch the numbers. And I haven't done it in a couple years since I've been a full-time reporter. But it's not, a, it's not a substantial amount more money. State does have a little bit more tradition. Their ballpark is, you know, a cathedral to college baseball, whatever that corny shit is they love to say. 
it's slightly better. But we, like I was with on the podcast with Borky, we ranked the jobs, or maybe me and Colin did. I don't remember. And you know, Ole Miss was eight to state seven or seven to state six. Like they're right next to each other. And at the end of the day, it's maximizing opportunity. And it, it's kind of like doing the little things that get you over the hump. And Ole Miss has not been able to do that. Ole Miss has been to Super Regionals back-to-back years. They're two wins away from having, you know, back-to-back Omaha appearances to where, you know, if you're comparing the two programs, states three in a row don't look as good next to Ole Miss's. Now, states three in a row is incredibly consistent in its own right. I'm not, like, knocking that. But everyone loves to compare the two programs. Well, Miss is 18 innings away from almost having as good a resume in the last half decade. Like it's, it's about maximizing your opportunities and state has been able to do that. And Ole Miss hasn't. And you know, whatever people want to think about it, I'm sure this won't be a good night on the message boards. Uh, the one I work for, uh, you know, other ones included, but state's knocked at the door enough times and they deserve this opportunity. And, you know, at the end of the day, as someone who's kind of a neutral party observer, kind of monitor, like looking at both programs, um, you know, for the state of Mississippi, the fact that Ole Miss, the fact that the state of Mississippi did not have a baseball national title, kind of felt like a, a a missing notch on a belt that that's crazy about it. And of course, everyone would rather had Ole Miss had it. And I'm not like justifying it if you're a mad Ole Miss fan listening to this, but like it makes sense that it's the year 2021 and state finally got a national title. And you know, at the end of the day, Ole Miss will either kind of be satisfied with what they have, or they will kind of make a move and move on and the results will eventually play their way out it just is not going to be easier to swallow with uh with the uh their bitter rival taking home the trophy this year but oh yeah and i promise you and uh we'll, we'll as an Ole Miss fan you know you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you're like we're never going to hear the end of the national championship that Mississippi State won in baseball well i'll give you I'll give you the most Ole Miss thing ever was last year. You know, that team that played uh, just had a little di- different character about them and, you know, had some uh, really good wins against Louisville, went to East Carolina, you know, and had the win streak. That team goes to Omaha. Like, I don't uh, – you. there's no – there's not one baseball expert in the world that can tell me that there's no way that that, year, that Ole Miss team from last year doesn't go to Omaha. With that being said, you know, COVID hits and the, and the season gets canceled and, you know, it happens and, you know, shit happens, you know, and I think there's a, a famous saying and, it, and it's to this day and it shit happens and uh, it is what it is. And just, you know, just got to, you just got to be proud of the Ole Miss program. We're competitive every year. There's, you know, we get good players, you know, sometimes uh, we just don't, you know, the ball doesn't bounce the right way. And yeah, we, we've been a couple, one couple wins short of Omaha, but, you know, it's still a good product to come watch and uh, be a part of. And, you know, like I said, uh, not trying to be a homer here, but, you know, I appreciate the Ole Miss baseball staff. And, you know, I'm kind of proud to say that I take care of them and I'm trying to be trying not to be a homer about it. But it's just tough because uh, they're good people and uh, just proud to know everybody. Yeah, you should start putting steroids in the meats if they won't juice themselves. And that's Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, yeah, that's what I, I mean. Yeah, that's what I need to do. I, I need Everybody to really does. take advantage of the situation. So there's a chance we're on opposite coasts this weekend. So why don't you hold the East Coast down? I will be driving a Duffy boat in the Pacific Ocean with a uh, Coors Lighter aid in my hand. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I may never come back. I just may become a West Coast guy. You know, start wearing the uh, the designer sneakers. Maybe my jeans get a half size, a little tighter. 
start talking about, uh, you know, how I was uh, into tech back in the day, but that's tomorrow. Uh, that's yesterday's news. Who knows? It's going to be a hell of a Fourth of July weekend. I mean, I think, I mean, you kind of look like a tech guy. I apologize, like, for saying that. I mean, it, you because the hair, I know you don't have your camera on, so this is facetious. because the haircut <laughs> I got an hour ago? Is, is that, oh, man. Well, I went in there, and I went into the barber shop and was like, hey, right here, low guy on the totem pole at Apple, shave away. Yeah, I mean, whenever you don't have hair and you can cut your own hair, I think that's uh, the situation I'm in. <laughs> I appreciate it as always, dude. I uh, and, and appreciate to everyone out there listening. This has been another Grill Corner slash Mailbag Friday. I hope everyone has a safe and happy fourth. If you're traveling, safe travels. Hopefully you take some grill tips away from what uh, the knowledge that Greg dropped on us over the last hour. But uh, everyone enjoyed this long Independence Day weekend. Have a safe and happy weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the jet ride up to uh, New Jersey. We'll talk again soon, brother. Yeah, as long as they've got good champagne on the on the flight, uh, I think I'm going to be all right. The tough life. Everybody have a good weekend.